This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, it's a real challenge being in a long distance relationship in Los Angeles where your partner is like an hour or so away. Is that long distance? Pretty much. Do we? I guess it's long distance if you live here because an hour away doesn't really seem that far, but here... Girl, that's like six miles cross country. I mean, it's real. And it's six miles cross country. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know our math here. No, you know, whatever a cross country trip does. Exactly. So, and it's even more challenging because when you see each other, it feels like it needs to be a big moment, right? And so my boyfriend was really nice enough to drive all the way to see me last night. You're talking about big moments in sex? You know. She's like, I have to have sex. Well, it just feels like someone goes out of their way and drives late at night. Uh-huh. And then... You're like, he deserves it. I, I I feel an obligation. He doesn't say that's the case. Okay. But then, you know, like, you get there and I feel like, okay, but I'm having a more of a cuddle moment. I want to cuddle. Okay. Sometimes you have the cuddle night and then you have the... Sh- Shabam Why don't you night. feel just obligated to cuddle instead of have sex? Or I mean, okay to cuddle. Yeah. I do, but then sometimes when it seems like, okay, I'm feeling like he might not just want to cuddle, then I'm like, oh, but this guy just drove over an hour to see me. Yeah. And then it's like, what do you do? Is that all it takes to get in, get in there is <laughs> just driving an hour? I mean, y'all sign up. <laughs> Who else like, wants to drive in an hour to see really me? It's really easy. It sounds really Drive easy. even longer. You might even get some more. What, like two hours? Girl, that's the back door m- action. That's <laughs> and that's why that did not happen last night. <laughs> It was only an hour. But, uh, you know, thankfully he's okay with the cuddles. He's your boyfriend, I would assume. He's your boyfriend. I didn't didn't scare him away. She's talking about him like she just met him last week. You know, that's how we keep the magic alive. Yeah, We just pretend we just met. But this is something I know I'm not the only one to go through that. So it's always a learning curve. It's Women's Equality Day. You shouldn't feel obligated to have sex That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Ryan. I'm just, of all days. Speaking of which... Let's move into what's coming up. Yes, Women's Equality Day. We got Blair Imani, a historian and author, joining us at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern to talk more about that. Plus, why Lil Nas X is calling out Tony Hawk. That's in the T-Report in a moment. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. In a statement today, the Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby confirmed 
two explosions outside Kabul airport, and they were the result of a complex attack that resulted in a number of U.S. and civilian casualties, including 12 American service workers who were killed and a number of others being treated for wounds. Uh, and one explosion was a suicide bombing near one of the gates. We're going to have Ken Charles from KNX News joining us for that in a moment. But here is U.S. Central Commander General Kenneth McKenzie. As you know, two suicide bombers assessed to have been ISIS fighters detonated in the vicinity of the Abbey Gate at Hamad Karzai International Airport and in the vicinity of the Barron Hotel, which is immediately adjacent. The attack on the Abbey Gate was followed by a number of ISIS gunmen who opened fire on civilians and military forces. At this time, we know that 12 U.S. service members have been killed in the attack and 15 more service members have been injured. A number of Afghan civilians were also killed and injured in the attack. All right. Again, we'll be talking more about that in 15 minutes with Ken Charles from KNX. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so um, Little Nas X does not have time for people's hypocrisy. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So remember back in April, there was all this backlash towards Little Nas X's Satan shoes that apparently had, like, real blood in them? Well... Lil Nas X is kind of calling out the lack of outrage for Tony Hawk's new blood skateboards. So Tony Hawk, if you didn't even realize, um, he is now collaborating with a beverage brand called Liquid Death to release a limited edition run of 100 skateboards with artwork crafted using paint mixed with Hawk's real blood. Like there's a video on his Instagram of him actually donating his blood and it's going to be mixed in this paint. Mm. And it's just, it's you know, it's intense. Now, the proceeds from this are going out, you know, going to good causes. It's sold out. Um, But there is one thing many people, including Little Nas X, are noticing is missing when it comes to the blood-infused boards. The public outrage. Little Nas X said... Quote, now that Tony Hawk has released skateboards with his blood painted on them and there was no public outrage, are y'all ready to admit y'all were never actually upset over the blood in the shoes and maybe you were mad for some other reason? Oh. I mean, end quote. That does speak volumes. If people were like all over the religion aspect of it being like, oh my God, it's a Satan shoe and then there's blood. It's too far. It's too far. Well, what about this? It's the same exact thing except for it doesn't have the Satan branding on it. Um, but even then, it just feels a little strange that no one's, like, freaking out in the way that they totally. freaked out over him. Well, we know why, obviously. It's, like, the hypocrisy yeah. of it with him being, obviously, gay and people just being against, like, the haters of gay people. Yeah. Uh, but also, Tony Hawk's not as relevant as Lil Nas X. Oh, my God, yes, he is. Tony Hawk? Yes, I feel like we co- we've covered him again yeah, in Yes Queen but for a while. he's not at his height, like, in that spotlight. People will bring down the person It depends the on what you're into, I think. People would say that. Like, we're not into skateboarding, so maybe we don't see it. But I think he's like equivalent to like he's like the Michael oh. Jordan of skateboarding. Well, that's true. But he's not. Ha- yeah, he's, so he's, he's not as big legendary. of a tar- Yeah, you're right. You know. Uh, well, then he had an easier run. Okay, so <laughs> when I get back, oh, from uh, we're about to go into our next break. I was going to do this Lady Gaga thing, but I don't think we have a little time. Just head over to Weird Channel Q because Lady Gaga is going to Las Vegas, and we're trying to send y'all there. Head over there to the website. Get into that giveaway. You'll find out more information sometime in this show. Okay. Next up, more details on the blast reported outside of Kabul Airport. Ken Charles from KNX News back with us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
12 U.S. service members and dozens of Afghans have been killed in two bombing attacks outside Kabul's airport. And joining us for more details on all of this is Program Director at KNX News, Ken Charles. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, it, it, it's a sad day. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our, our thoughts and prayers which I know is is a little generic, but go out to the families of the 12 service members that lost their lives defending the United States of America. It's also, yeah, sad and disappointing how this has all gone down. So what happened exactly? Well, um, so uh, uh, an ISIS-K terrorist, um, which is different than the Taliban, and people you know, have this monolithic thought that there's one group of, you know, quote-unquote bad guys in that area, and they're not. The Taliban and ISIS are absolute blood enemies. But so this apparently bomber uh, got through the lines outside of the airport, crawling through the sewers, and got up to the gate of the airport and exploded his uh, bomb and, you know, look, you're right next to the gate and these huge blast walls, which sent the force of the explosion up. Our troops are standing not only at the gate, but on top of those walls. And it took 12, uh, killed 12 of them, 15 hurt, plus hundreds of Afghani citizens surrounding that area. I mean, not only is this a sad day, but this is just frustrating at this point, um, just because as we've seen this kind of get worse and worse, it has not gotten better. Um, and President Biden is actually addressing uh, the country right now. He's speaking about it, which we'll play a clip of coming up, you know, later this hour. Um, but I, I do want to know, what do you think President Biden is going to do at this point? What do you I mean, at this point, what's the Pentagon say? <laughs> it's just it just seems wild. What can the administration? do to kind of combat this now that all of this stuff is happening in the middle of this very complicated time? Well, so so we talked to a lieutenant general earlier, a former lieutenant general earlier, and the only really thing you can do to prevent more of this from happening is putting more U.S. troops on the ground and sealing off the entire city and not letting anybody in or letting anybody out. That's not going to happen. The only other thing, and it does seem a little bit like it's happening, is, you know, the Taliban has condemned um, this attack. And in fact, reports are out there that the Taliban themselves have actually threatened other potential attacks. And that comes directly from the United States command on the ground there. So I guess it's certainly possible that if the Taliban are working, I don't want to use the word conjunction, but to prevent more of these things, I guess it could buy some time. But ultimately, I will not be surprised um, if there isn't more violence in the next five days leading up to the 31st. Well, so how are we supposed to get those individuals out of Kabul right now? That's the million-dollar question, and I don't even know if our you know, military or the administration actually has a plan. I've seen a lot of reports that there are thousands of American citizens who are not at the airport, but are scattered throughout Kabul and parts of the country. We have seen helicopters landing and ferrying Americans to the airport proper, but there are still a lot of Americans, as well as people who worked with America for the last 20 years, 
scattered nowhere near the airport, and it's going to be impossible to get them out. I've seen reports of journalists from various publications concerned, especially female journalists, that when this thing ends and America is gone, they could be killed because they won't get out. This is the worst-case scenario for any administration, and some of it could have been prevented. I mean, look, you uh, know, yeah. the president before uh, President Biden gave them a date. And then Biden said, yeah, months ago, we're going to stick with the date. You don't tell people you're evacuating your situation and giving them a target months in advance. That's just like, you know, evacuation 101. No, it really is. And I can't I just I, I guess I can't help but think of the history, obviously, of the Taliban. And now they're saying that they turn over this new leaf. And I, it just feels like they even recent in recent reports, they've kind of threatened being like, well, if y'all are not out, there will be consequences. So how are we really supposed to trust that they are kind of on the right side at this point? Like we can actually trust and work with them hand in hand and in, in in this moment, I don't. Th- I think you hit it right on, Ron, and I don't think you can. You know, I mean, they believe what they believe. They are what they are. You know, history is what history is. I get it that they want to try to rule this country. I get it that they certainly need some kind of international support, or at least international allowing them to do it. So they certainly have to play this game, and clearly they've gotten smarter than they were 20 years ago because they're trying to use social media. Mm -hmm. They're trying to use the press and others to show a new, advanced, evolved Taliban, and I'm with you. That's hard to believe. Definitely. Well, thank you again for being with us today. That was Program Director at KNX News, Ken Charles. Next up, the latest news about a trans teen who was violated at an airport, bringing up the question of what rights do trans individuals have when flying? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. News of a transgender teen required to strip search at an airport is bringing up many questions around the rights of transgender individuals when flying. And joining us right now is Rodrigo Hing Leitinen, who's the executive director of the National Center for Transgender Equality. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Now, of course, this isn't the first time we've seen this. Trans individuals face trauma every time they have to pass through security and fly. So what is being done to change this? Well, we all need to push TSA to do more training. You know, these instances like the horrendous invasive searches of Charlotte Airport are all too common. They actually happen more than you might think. Just oftentimes people don't feel comfortable sharing it publicly. And the thing is that that violates TSA policy. That is not actually allowed. But these officers are not getting training on what the policies are to begin with. So we should all be contacting TSA and encouraging them to do trainings at airports all around the country so that no one ends up in this situation. No, I totally agree. Training is so important. Um, But I even wonder 
the technology, how much does that kind of play into it, especially if a trans person is kind of going through the little machine where they x-ray you or whatever they're doing in that machine? I, I've, I've heard stories from either trans friends who have gone through that experience and said how triggering that was for them. And if something pops up or if they're being they feel like they're being examined by at certain levels of their body, it just feels like the technology isn't quite there either. You're absolutely right. The tech, a lot of people don't know that those scanners you go through at the airport are actually gendered. It's completely absurd. But when you go, when you walk through that machine, right before you go, the TSA officer has to pick a button for man or woman. And the machine scans your body for what the machine is programmed to interpret Mm -hmm. as a quote-unquote standard body. So what happens is that if you're transgender like me, I'll use myself as an example, I'm a transgender man, and when I go through that scanner, it always tells me that, tells the officer that there's quote-unquote an anomaly, Mm -hmm. meaning there's something different. There's not actually anything wrong with my body, but it's quote-unquote an anomaly different than the standard male body. So then... It says there's a mistake and the officer has to pat me down and all that. And it's this whole routine, invasive routine every single time. And that happens by definition because these machines are programmed to make assumptions about people's gender, which is totally unnecessary. There is technology out there that would not require the TSA officer to put male or female or man or woman, but they need to adopt it. They need to update their systems. So it would be the Biden administration possibly to do that or the TSA. But like, is there a way that this administration could change that finally? Yes. And the TSA is a federal government agency. And yes, they, that's why it's so important to contact TSA and tell them we want you to update your systems because they need to hear that this is important. Uh, they need to know how significant this is and that people are paying attention. Because, you know, at the end of the day, all trans travelers want is to get from the front of the airport to the gate without having to answer invasive questions about our bodies or at worst, even be touched by government officials. It is not a big thing to ask. We're, We're just trying to go from the front of the airport to the gate without any drama. No, that's so true. So do you have any uh, tips for anyone who are going to be flying, going through security to know their rights and what to do? Absolutely. Well, the first thing is that if you are traveling with medication or something like that, um, you might want to think about what you store in your carry-on versus uh, in what you check luggage. Some people prefer to have the carry-ons with the, to keep it in the carry-on because you might need it, but some people find that. It's drama, less drama, frankly, to put it in the checked luggage so that TSA officers don't pry as much. Now, we shouldn't have to do that, but it is something that every transgender person who's traveling with medication regarding transition might want to think about. And and what works for you is different for everybody, but, you know, be thoughtful about it. The other thing is when you're going through those screeners, you have a right to be pat down by the TSA officer of the gender that is authentic for you. Or in the case of non-binary people, the gender that is your choice out of the TSA officer. And importantly, that does not need to match the gender on your ID. 
You should not have to worry about the gender on your ID. Instead, it says you are, if, if you live as a woman, you have a right to request that the pat down be done by a woman. Now, ultimately, we should improve these policies so that trans people aren't being unnecessarily tapped down in the first place. But if you have to get on a plane tomorrow, I'd really recommend knowing and anticipating that you might have to be pat down and you have a right to request the gender of the person doing that pat down. And you have a right for that to be in private out of the public eye. Well, thank you for sharing all that and the work you're doing. That was Rigo Hang Leitonen, the executive director of the National Center for Transgender Equality. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And you can check out more Traveling While Trans tips on our website. If you go to transequality.org, we have a whole page on the website. And we also have links. If you've you've been discriminated against by the TSA, we can show you how to file a complaint. So check us out on transequality.org. Amazing. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for sharing that. Next up, why people are fighting on Reddit over COVID-19. And what's Reddit going to do about it? That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Redditors are calling on Reddit to take down and deal with vaccine misinformation. And the platform is saying, you know what? That is not our job. And Reddit by... That's actually, no, seriously, what he said. The CEO said that. And it's like so frustrating to read. And is Reddit in the right or wrong? We've called out other platforms like the Facebook... Twitter, Instagram saying do something about it. And I mean, they've done some stuff, right? To verify the information. Are you sure you want to share this? All that stuff. They have people that I guess they've hired to verify uh, this and they'll flag your account or the post. But Reddit has yet to do anything. So should they be stepping it up? That's the question. And it seems like a lot of people on Reddit think that is the case. I mean, the fact that there are 10,000 Post dedicated to ivermectin. This is the anti-parasitic drug that is meant for animals. A horse, right? And it's extremely dangerous according to the FDA. People are actually taking to Reddit to talk about it 
and wondering if they should use it. Here's the thing. I don't really care about what conspiracy theories are on um, the site. I think it's all dangerous. I'm more so as focused on the CEO, Steve Huffman, and his announcement uh, where he basically, like you said, said that it really isn't a part of what Reddit is about. And it's, you know... What makes Reddit Reddit is the fact that people can disagree with the majority opinion. And it's just like, I'm not asking people if they like a Nacho Bell Grande at Taco Bell versus a Crunchwrap. This is about like life or death here, right? Like you can't say, oh, yeah, we want, you know, discourse um, to be a part of this when it's actually false. It's false information that is all over the Reddit website, I'm not a big Redditor, but finding out all of this information and seeing all the misinformation happening there, it's just like, no, y'all have to do something about this because at this point, it's starting to be your fault. Well, see, underbelly of the internet, there are pros, pros and cons to that. It means that it is a place like a town hall where everyone can say whatever they want at any time. But and Reddit's that, a private company. Good. Private companies are allowed to make their own rules, right? I would assume if Reddit is like a Facebook, if Reddit is like a Twitter, you're able to kind of do your own thing. Yeah, so it's really up rules. to them how, how they want to decide to play this. Right, and so that's what I would I, assume. I would say it's not like maybe you would take things down, but to have like a major warning of this isn't real, this is fake news, this is, or not fake news, I don't want to feed into the misinformation. Why, like, can't, why can't you do both? Why can't you take things off that are just like egregiously wrong well, yeah. and then also well, create the question is, those little banners? The question is, I would say back to the Hoffman guy, right? Steve Huffman, the chief executive officer, I would say, are you doing this for other things? Do you do this for racism or sexism and this, that? Then you should be doing it for this. Maybe they haven't caught up yet because this is a new thing we're dealing with. I get that. But then just saying, like, we're not going to do it is not the answer. Saying, well, from this case, it doesn't seem like they, from this answer alone, and the what this announcement alone specifically, it doesn't seem like they're probably covering any of it. It's just like, yeah, anybody can say whatever they want because it all goes to everybody deserves to have the freedom of speech, which. Guess what? They do. But I think when it starts, there's a line that we are finding out as this pandemic continues to grow and it's not going anywhere, that it can be very dangerous. Like, lives are on the line here. Well, let us know what you think. Should Reddit step it up? At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. We love to hear from you. Slide into our DMs. Next up, a new study that reveals the continued stigmas and misinformation around HIV. More details on what's trending this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back and coming up, historian and author Blair Imani joins us to talk about Women's Equality Day today in 30 minutes. Uh, Plus, we've got details on the upcoming Monica Lewinsky FX show in the T-Report in a moment. Oh, it's good, too. Let's just say it's involving a thong. Okay. Down for the cause. Yeah. Uh, first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. More than 100,000 people are hospitalized with COVID-19 in the U.S. It's the first time that level has been reached since January. And as medical workers are still saying, they're struggling to treat waves of patients. Hospitals and researchers have been saying the vast majority of this year's hospitalized patients are also unvaccinated. Dr. Paul Offit, a member of the FDA's Vaccine Advisory Committee, said that the availability of vaccines makes the current hospitalization surge tragic. 
Now, just days after Moderna announced it was starting phase one trials of an HIV vaccine, a new report reveals that stigma and misinformation about the virus continues. And that's uh, 40 years later, of course, it continues. The report, The State of HIV Stigma 2021, found that less than half of American adults say they feel knowledgeable about HIV, down from 51% last year. According to the study, which was published by GLAAD and the Southern AIDS Coalition, 64% of adults said they're aware that there are medications that protect protect against HIV, but only 42% knew that someone properly following a specific drug regimen can't transmit the virus. Also, this is really interesting. Half of the respondents said they'd feel uncomfortable with an HIV-positive medical professional. They were also uncomfortable 42% with a hairstylist or barber living with the virus. And a third said they were uncomfortable with an HIV-positive teacher. It's crazy. And finally, Kathy Hogel, New York, uh, New York's new governor, who took over for Andrew Cuomo, shared her message on Women's Equality Day. This is a pendant with broken glass in it. Shattered glass. From my 28-year-old daughter, who may never quite have to experience what her mother's generation did, but she knows the challenges I've faced. But I wear this not to say, yes, I've cracked some ceilings myself. I wear it because it's a reminder to me of the ceilings yet to be cracked. Okay, felt that at the end. At first, I was confused of what she, uh, with glass, but I get it, breaking the glass ceiling. Always. Yeah, you know, we got to give her a chance. She's coming into a really crappy position. And, oh, yeah. And she, you know, she's shattering glass, or she's cleaning up the glass at this point. That's <laughs> unfortunately Yikes. been shattered by that awful man. Well, let's uh, hope for the best with her. And she is making history as the first female New York governor. So congratulations to her for that. But that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? So, um, TMI, but Bill Clinton had a thing for Monica Lewinsky's thongs. And she wants the whole world to know about it. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Now, as a producer of FX forthcoming series Impeachment, American Crime Story, Lewinsky has admittedly uh, urged show writers to include a scene reenacting the moment she flashed her silver thong at then-President Clinton during their Oval Office affair in the 90s. So, here's the thing. Um, it had got nixed. The, the whole panties presentation was initially nixed from the original impeachment script um, because one of the writers feared that it was like re-traumatizing her mm-hmm. by recreating that scene. Um, but Lewinsky actually fought to incorporate this like thong flashing moment into the show in order to maintain the production's integrity. She said, so ultimately I felt two things. One was that I shouldn't get a pass because I'm a producer. And two, that it was unfair to the team and to the project because it would leave everybody vulnerable, noting that audiences would likely blame her if the scene had been omitted. Um, I mean, I don't need to know that Bill Clinton had a thong thing. Well, That's like the last thing I really want to know. It's more like just because you think a thong is hot, is that really a thong thing? Like, that's just... It feels like a thong thing. I feel like everyone just wears a thong. And I think I also just like to say thong thing. Thong, the thong, thong, thong. (laughs) (laughs) And so for me, it's just like, I think we're really going to see Bill Clinton in a a way 
that we all have not seen him in. Um, and he's like older now, and it's oh well, yeah, like, now it's weird. It just feels a it just feels like, a little strange that we're kind of going, but it's history, right? Uh, this is a story that is going to be told, and it's going to really rehash a lot of things that we don't know and that we do know. I feel like it's probably going to be traumatizing one for Monica, also for Bill, and also for their relationship. I don't know if like, it's going to be traumatizing for Monica because it seems like she's yeah, all she's, game. Yeah, ob- yeah, she's obviously come to terms with it, but it all seems like you know, yeah. I, I, I guess it was it was time yeah. to tell it, and it's an I intriguing guess. story. At the same time, it's one of those things. Like I'm sure Bill Clinton's like, I just want to leave that in the bed. He ain't thinking about it. He's not gonna watch it. I wonder what Hillary's gonna say That's, though, because uh, I feel like she will not be quiet about oh, this. Oh no, this will be awkward. But honey, get your popcorn ready because that premieres September seventh, um, and it's spilling all the juicy details. That's your tea report as of for right now. And um, find out next hour how you can win two tickets to see Lady Gaga in Las Vegas. Get okay. into it. Now coming up, the crazy new names for the COVID-19 vaccines. That's right. They've been given a marketing twist. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. No longer, Ryan, will you be a Moderna girl. You're going to be a Spike Vax girl. Oh, uh, I cannot believe they changed the name like that. I get rebranding, but what was wrong with easy, breezy, beautiful Moderna girl? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not even a Moderna girl, and I agree with you. Thank you. Basically, what's happening is all the vaccines that we all know, we've been talking about for the past, I don't know, year or so. Yeah. They're part of our vernacular. Yeah. We've gotten used to them. Well, they decided to switch things up on us. Which I understand they are trying to, especially now that booster shots are part of the conversation and now these you know vaccines are going to be a part of our lives for the rest of our lives they're like well we need to add some cute marketing to it yeah like these are these consumer names basically because it was too i guess medical or scientific to call it by the pfizer bioentech i mean even throwing the word consumer in this conversation feels a little highbrow don't you think Uh, that's what it is (laughs) we are the consumers we are the client base it's like what marketing firm is sure it's like are you gonna order well yes you order vodka but you order a cosmopolitan yeah you know what i mean you want it packaged up okay yeah but the thing is these names aren't like sexy like they could have done a much better job people are already freaked out about these things okay you add these names into the mix, does not make it more attractive. Okay, so give me, you gave me Spike Vax, which is Moderna. What's yeah. the new Pfizer one? Come here, Nadi. It's like, does <laughs> it? Right. All right, let me just say that again. It's not. Come here, Nadi. No, like, it's, it's community. <laughs> oh, you see, but like you wouldn't even know. It literally is it's like you're speaking community. another language. It does not make sense. And these are names like you have to wonder. They've probably spent millions of dollars on branding this, yeah. like bringing in focus groups, a company. They have a company that that um the Brand Institute, which is the world's number one naming company. It sounds like a name you name a sex party. Community, like no, you're who just, would want to go to a sex party? Like that. Everywhere, it does Are you kidding me? That's like names of b- bathhouses. Like if you want to go to the community, community, that Man-nity? sounds like a good community? time. Honestly, it, it, it's a mixture of several words: community, immunity, COVID nineteen, and mRNA. What kind of drugs were they on? <laughs> they were uh, getting high off their own vaccine. Like what? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want community in me. Although it is in me right now. But uh, and then the. AstraZeneca vaccine. Okay. Oh, there's a new name for that one too? Yeah. All right. What's that name? Vaxzevria. Like, oh, now that sounds like something you can't get rid of without a pill. <laughs> that really, now that one sounds a little itchy. And for me, it's just, I, 
Here's the thing. I understand wanting to give it more of a, as Shira would put, a consumer-facing name. Like, I get it. But I just also feel we we know these names because that's all we've known since the beginning of this. So what's the point of changing it? Like, people are still going to be like, I, I want the Pfizer. I need the yeah. Moderna booster. So no one's going to ask for these new names. So it's like, what's the point of it besides the goofiness of it all? I I agree. It was a waste of time. There's enough things that we need to deal with this, in this world. Like, why also add this moment? And also, there's so much misinformation out there and just disconnect and complication around yeah. this vaccine. Why add another layer of complication? No, I agree. And the the, the interesting thing about this is, uh, so I was listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Vox.com. Which y'all know we love Vox here. Yep. Um, but it was, they have a podcast called Today Explained, and they did hilarious, like, little, uh, like, spoof. Uh, commercials for let's go with yeah, community. Let's start with community because community it fits it for sure. Here we go. Are you suffering from shortness of breath, lack of taste, and crippling fear of a deadly virus rapidly spreading throughout the country? Have you lost touch with friends and acquaintances? Haven't seen your grandma in over a year? Or are you suffering from maskne? Try Comernity, a new vaccine from Pfizer and BioNTech. I'm helping cut community transmission. I'm no longer racked with virus anxiety. My immune system says, take that, COVID. Thanks, Comernity. It's so good. I mean, no one can even pronounce it. Thanks, Comernity. Wait, this one, though. So I'm a Comernity lady. Yes. Uh, and that was very my flow. Okay. Like, I was feeling the that relaxation of that. actually does actually match it's your ma- brand a lot And more. well, Spike Vax, which is Moderna, Ryan's a, a Spike Vax uh-huh. person. I think this might match your personality. Okay, here we go. Spike Vax! <laughs> Leave your apartment with Spike Vax! Screw wearing a mask with Spike Vax! Went to Lollapalooza on Spike Vax! Everyone's hooking up on Spike Vax! It does. I feel the passion, the fire. I do have to say, I'm wearing a chain (laughs) necklace right now. So maybe this does kind of fit me a little bit more than I thought it did. I mean, you know. Well, let us know what you think. Are these name changes, do you think they're going to help the unvaccinated feel like, oh, maybe I do want some community inside of me? Who knows? We could use any help we can get at this point. (laughs) At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. But next up, as we celebrate Women's Equality Day, we've got author, historian, creator behind Smarter in Seconds, Blair Imani, joins us next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's Women's Equality Day today, the anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment amendment that gave some women, but not all women, the right to vote on August 26, 1920. Historian, educator, author, creator of Smarter in Seconds, Blair Imani joins us as we dive in and celebrate. Welcome to the show again. Hello, thank you for having me back. I mean, when I thought of Women's Equality Day and looking at the context of it and the nuances of it, I thought of Blair Imani. Well, and you're always welcome back. This is literally <laughs> home. Thank you so much. And I really feel that. I think it's so necessary to like front load the conversation about Women's Equality Day with an actual discussion of like not just who was included, a very mm-hmm. small segment of the population, but everybody that was excluded. Yeah. Yes. And ha- so good. Have we evolved at all? Where are we at now when we look back? Oh, I think that we've definitely evolved. I think that, um, you know, Blair living, uh, you know, several years ago, several decades ago, wouldn't be as happy as the Blair living today. I wouldn't have like, you know, the right to vote, the right to own property, the right to really own myself and be like a free person with agency to do all the great things that I do now. I mean, plus there's no Instagram, but, you know, really thinking about the policies, laws and attitudes that have changed. We have a long way to go, but we've also come a long way. And that's important to celebrate, too. No, it really is, because if you can't celebrate kind of what's happened, it's like you're kind of stuck in that. And I think moving forward, especially when we're looking at Women's Equality Day, what do you think is something that is missing from that conversation? What is something we're overlooking? I would definitely say, like, I mean, I have a lot to say. I'm a historian. I I literally just uh, curated an entire post uh, series for this for the page feminist on Instagram. But basically, Native American women or indigenous women, black women, Asian American women, all of us were excluded. Uh, And then to some extent, Jewish American women were excluded as well because of anti-Semitism. But basically, a lot of folks were excluded. And I think that it's a matter of the erasure, but also the fact that a lot of us didn't have citizenship rights. I mean, uh, indigenous women didn't have citizenship officially, despite being the original women on this land until 1924. And then you have the passage of the Voting Rights Act uh, in the 60s, which secured voting rights. But that's still being eroded. There's a lot of women today that don't have these voting rights. Um, and it's so it's not just a matter of going based on the timeline in American history books, but really looking at the historical record and scrutinizing it and saying, eh, actually, that's really great. I would love to say that's the anniversary, but maybe it's actually the day instead, like we're doing right now, to really talk about the parts of history that haven't been uplifted or discussed, because we'll just keep repeating it if we don't learn about it. That that is true. And what about including trans women in the conversation as well? Oh, absolutely. I think that that has to happen so necessarily, especially because Marsha P. Johnson's birthday just passed. The queen mother, the originator of the current iteration of the LGBTQ rights liberation movement, Black trans women, trans women in general, have been at the forefront of shifting change, largely because that's a matter of survival. And so we can look at people today like Nala Simone Toussaint, uh, Raquel Willis, people who are shifting the, the conversation in the present day. But also, you know, our ancestors is an often used word um, like Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, and some that are still with us like Miss Major. I do wonder, though, because, you know, I feel like our world is always, you know, uh, everyone is talking about something or everyone is like kind of 
we're very divided is what I'm, I guess I'm just leading to. And I, I wonder, do you think people are actively listening in the best way that they know how? Or do you think they're just kind of being performative in these moments? Like, have you seen a distinction of being like, oh, I think people are actually getting it? I really think that people are. I think that there's been so much uh, tumultuous shift in society since 2020 with the pandemic and everything and racial uprisings and racial justice awakenings. And folks are tuning in. I think that people are asking questions that maybe they should have been asking for their entire lives. But my thing is that you're here. Let's take action. Let's move forward. I'm glad you're here. You're a little bit late, but let's get on and going. (laughs) And I think that's kind of the vibe and energy I'm trying to have. I'm sure that there are some people who are only doing it because it's in right now. But I really have to focus on the people or just at least believe that most people are doing it because they generally want a better world. Yeah, I love that optimism. And it's so important. And it's hard when we witness what's happening, even with the women in Afghanistan right now. And everyone. Definitely. I think about um, my intern and my dear friend, Zara Wakil Dada, who is from Afghanistan. She's a refugee from Afghanistan, currently going to Georgetown. And just speaking with her and talking to her about what it was like for her and her mother, who is a, an amazing human rights activist who now lives in the United States as well, and the fight for equality and how organizations like the Taliban are just eroding that. And I think that we really have to center amazing, uh, you know, Afghan uh, women journalists, people who've been able to get out, but really keep an ear to the ground because this has been an ongoing issue. And it might be easy for us to say, hey, it's way worse over there. And it definitely looks bleak. But we have to remember that all politics are local and that we can do both. We can learn about things that are happening in faraway places. We can listen to folks like Zara Wakilzada and all the amazing work that she's doing with women uh, who are working in the ground locally, but also fight for, you know, paid family leave in our own workplaces. Definitely. We have to think in, in both ways for the future. Well, Uh, Blair, you do have a new book coming out. It's called Read This to Get Smarter About Race, Class, Gender, Disability, and More. Why this is a focus now? I mean, this is your third book, I believe. It sure is. And it's the first book that's not a history book, but don't worry, there's tons of history in there. I think (laughs) now is just the perfect time because... I've had so many conversations where people, you know, maybe they weren't paying attention as much as they could have been, but you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and so they want to take action now. Oh my gosh, hindsight being twenty twenty and twenty twenty being a mess. But anyway, <laughs> I think that the urgency and the energy is there, and I'm happy to meet people where they're at. It's a non-judgmental like call to arms and awareness. I think that people know catchphrases, they know the word intersectionality, but do they know about Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw and her original framework in 1989? Do they know the phrase that race is a construct, but do they actually know how race was invented since the 1500s and it's not just a fact of life? And I think instead of being upset with people or being frustrated that folks aren't as far along in their political education as maybe they could be, I'm just trying to get there to get them to where they should be. Mm. And so read this to get smarter. It's a primer on so many conversations. It starts with ourselves and then works outward because we really have to understand as a society that we are interconnected and that our decisions, our beliefs, our values, and the actions that are fueled by those beliefs and values 
affect not just ourselves, but everybody. And that can be really scary and overwhelming, but I try to frame it in a really inspiring and beautiful way. Well, Blair, I want to know, because obviously from this conversation, I know everyone's thinking like, this person is just way too smart and already knows everything. But I do wonder, has, has in this process of even creating Smarter in Seconds and just your books that you've written, have you learned even new things about yourself and the way that you have kind of changed thinking about certain things? I have learned so much. I mean, the first, uh, second, and you know, third chapter, I didn't actually want to write those things. I didn't want to write a chapter about relationships or about class and class analysis. Not because I didn't really want to, because I was intimidated. I, did, I didn't think that I could. Mm-hmm. And so I started connecting with amazing people like Dr. Shea Kill McLean and Dr. Sharice Bird and Steli. Dr. Sharice Bird and Steli met with me on Christmas 2020 over Zoom to just talk about these different aspects. Her focus is on racial capitalism. And to go from hearing a term or a phrase and feeling like, oh, I can't even understand that, to then being able to educate other people about that, it's called getting smarter for a reason. Because, you know, people might think I'm smart, but I like to think that I'm always getting smarter. I'm a lifelong learner. As Mm -hmm. much as I'm here to help others get smarter, I'm doing that for myself as well, which is one, a huge relief because it's a lot of pressure to make yourself feel like you're the smartest person in the world. And two, it keeps your mind open to infinite possibilities to continue to grow and learn. I mean, we didn't know what a radio was when we were born. We didn't know a spoon was called like we had to all learn these things we can do that too with things like racial capitalism there you go well i love your outlook on life we're so grateful for you taking the time because we know how busy you are you've been hearing by the way uh, about smarter in seconds it is blair's instagram reels series go to her instagram to check it out because it is amazing you will learn so much in a very short amount of time like 15 to 60 seconds basically Mm -hmm. Um, that was uh blair imani again pre order her book coming out read this to get smarter about race class gender disability and more blair it was a pleasure again you're amazing let's go there with shira and ryan channel q yep we're back and coming up how straight people might be more queer than they realize according to a new study someone had to study this Stop to realize making that straight people try to be queer like let straight people do what straight people do Hey, that's in 30 minutes. You can ask the researcher around that one. Plus, Dancing with the Stars is making history. The queer star who just announced she's joining the next season coming up in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden addressed the nation following two explosions outside the Kabul airport. For those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this. We will not forgive we will not forget we will hunt you down and make you pay you heard that he vowed to respond with force to the terrorists who killed 12 u.s service members and a number of afghans in suicide bombings outside the kabul airport today now seven u.s capitol police officers are suing former president donald trump Stop the Steel rally organizers and members of far-right extremist groups, accusing them of spreading lies using white supremacist sentiments to attempt to overthrow the 2020 election, and ultimately being responsible for the riot that injured more than 140 officers on January 6th. The new lawsuit is the latest in a string of legal actions against the former president, holding him liable for the deadly U.S. Capitol insurrection. 
and players at the U.S. Open will have access to licensed me- me- uh, mental health providers and quiet rooms as part of an initiative announced Tuesday by the U.S. Tennis Association. The association said it seeks to ensure that a comprehensive and holistic approach will be taken with all aspects of player health, including mental health. Our goal is to make mental health services as readily available to athletes as services for a sprained ankle and with no stigma attached. We will provide an environment that fosters wellness while providing the necessary resources to readily allow mental health care seeking. That's from uh, the first vice president of the USTA. And of course, this comes after the high profile um, stories of Naomi Osaka pulling out of the French Open and Wimbledon and other athletes in tennis speaking out about their own anxiety. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so JoJo Siwa is making history. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Okay, so JoJo Siwa, she came out, if you don't remember, back in January. Uh, She's making history as the first Dancing with the Stars contestant to be matched with a same-sex partner. Here she is making the announcement. I am so excited to be a part of this year's Dancing with the Stars season 30 and to be dancing with a girl. I think it's so cool. My puppy buddy, are you so excited, boy? Yes, he is. He's so pumped up. It's going to be the best ever. I can't wait to just dance every single week. I can't wait to meet my partner. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I'm so excited for. So much to do this. Whoa. (laughs) I mean... Here's the thing. JoJo's partner will be announced during the show's season premiere. The American series is actually following in the footsteps of its UK equivalent called Strictly Calm Dancing, um, which in 2020 allowed Olympic boxer Nicola Adams to be paired with a, a woman at her request. And so, yeah, this is going to be very exciting to watch. I mean, I don't really watch Dancing with the Stars, but I'm super excited that she's getting this opportunity to kind of make history in this way. I agree. They're going to get those ratings, let me tell you. Uh, I usually look at Dancing with the Stars as a place where people go to who like aren't relevant, really. They need a boost. JoJo Siwa doesn't need that boost. So when she obviously did this for a reason, because it's really important, and also getting more of that money. JoJo Siwa, she knows how to get that money. No, for sure she does. And that is your tea report But before we get out of here, I got to tell you about Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency and how it's returning to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. And Channel Q is going to send you. Just go over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the Park MGM Hotel, round-trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending cash. Do not miss out on this Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Residency shows live in Las Vegas. Now, if you don't win our contest, tickets go on sale Saturday at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com or you can just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for all your deets. There you go. That's your team report. Okay. Well, how the pandemic has changed friendship for the better. And if it was for the worse, what do you do about it? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The pandemic changed all of us and, of course, how we relate to the people around us, our relationships, and specifically friendships. So what did we learn over this time and did it help or hurt our friendships? Well, there's many ways to look at this, right? Uh, I think for a lot of people, there was a lot of vulnerability that came in, like real talk. We were all going through it. 
Yeah. And it wasn't just seeing each other to celebrate. You needed it. Yeah. And also, you probably were having longer conversations with people you've than you've ever had with them or in a long time, like maybe since high school, where you'd have Revisiting, this like, reconnecting, yeah. yes. Uh, and connecting with people more intentionally. Yeah, it's so interesting looking at friendships um, and how um, I think how that definition changes and what you need. And I think last year really taught um, everyone what they need when it comes to um, support and what they need when it comes to people like showing up for them in ways and and what friendship could be defined as. And um, I I think it's really just so interesting how, if we're being honest, when you're an adult, no one really tells you how to like either make friends or how to like deal with friendships and like with the life of just being busy and things like that. Like how do you kind of keep a friendship going Um, and having the tough conversations, especially if your friendship is intersectional. And so there's so many layers um, of, of through the pandemic that I think if the pandemic didn't happen, that a lot of friendships wouldn't really know. Yeah, and and I think it, it's interesting because the, pan, the pandemic shifted that, but that awareness, I think, just ha- ends up happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in the end... It just uh, happens sooner than later. It just, yeah, yeah, it speeds everything up. Yeah. But, yeah, things change over different chapters of your life. Like, I realize a lot of girlfriends that... A few years ago or five years ago, I stopped connecting with as much because they started getting married and having babies. I wasn't there yet. Mm, yeah, it's a different right? life. And yeah. now as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be nice then to be have those types of people around me? Yeah. Right. So you like that starts changing yeah. or you start dating well, why not someone. Reconnect with them? Well, yeah. I'm, what's nice, though, I think uh, as you get older, sometimes people like when right when that disconnect happens, it's like people judge it. Mm hmm. But then as time continues and you get older, I believe most of the time people realize like it's not a big deal. There, those moments happen where you have that momentary separation, but we all live our lives and it's OK. Right. Like yeah. that. I've noticed that happens like with my high school friends going into college and all that. There were many years that there was that tension. Right. We were living our own lives. We're like, we're not friends anymore. As we got older, we kind of reminisced. We have that nostalgia of reconnecting. Now we don't connect a lot, but we don't judge it. We kind of like love when we do connect. I want to kind of go back to that judging part because I don't even think it's really judging it. I think it's, I think we we underestimate how important friendships really can impact us. Like a friendship breakup is just as devastating as a romantic breakup. Totally. And I think um, when you have that connection with someone and you have been friends with them for like what, like years on years. It can go, there's ups and downs, there's valleys and all these different things, and it can really impact um, how you move forward in other friendships, right? And I think we underestimate the the impact that a, a friendship can really have on you as a person and how you navigate just moving forward and trying to find new friends or even trying to uh, be in uh, relationships. Because to be honest, a friendship is just really a platonic relationship. Exactly. Just without those benefits, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, but yeah, in the really end, real. you need to be an active participant in any of your relationships, intimate or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's the thing. I think we... In life, in general, we act like everything's supposed to be easy. We talked about this yesterday with hobbies and all that. Like, mm-hmm. it always supposed to be so easy and flowy. Of course, we all like that, but that's not life necessarily. And avoiding that, it's like avoiding the realities. And actually, the more you can get into those deep moments or uncomfortable moments, getting to the other side of that can be actually really fruitful. Yeah. And where growth is, it's just freaking hard. But I, I also really want to add into this conversation yeah. that some people are just meant for a season. 
Totally. Like, I think it's just like a chapter in a book. Once that's you're done true. with that chapter, it is, that's what it is, right? Yep. And I think um, it doesn't discount what people brought to you in that time where you needed them. Um, but I, I think sometimes that that is something that is real as well, right? Where maybe even if you realize that person's just there for a moment, I, I think there's something really interesting about a close, like the closure that there could be a conversation around closure being like, yeah, this is kind of what we were going through at that time. This is how I was made to feel. This is how you felt. And I don't know if we need to move it's forward. It's like an as uncoupling, a like right, Gwyneth Paltrow yes. and Chris Martin. I think that is so, so interesting um, to talk about because I think we all just be like, we just exist in this world of tension and we just fade off into the distance where you're just like, oh, I wonder why we never really talked about it. There's something mm, important about the closure totally. aspect of a, a friendship that's ending. And I think off, with the pandemic, that brought up so much, whether it be racial tension, people not believing that the pandemic was real, COVID and all these it's things. Like, there's so many layers um, where this past year really taught you who people really were. So on that note, I found this really interesting in this Today.com article. They interviewed these friends, th- these two women who actually wrote a book about going to friend therapy. And yeah. the book's called Big Friendship. So here's what they had to say about that. When we were going through our rough patch, we had nowhere to turn to for this information. Friendship is very rewarding, but like any other relationship that is worthwhile, it's going to suffer every once in a while. People, I think, are maybe more likely to ask about like a marriage or a romantic relationship or like a parent-child relationship. What if we were all um, working to keep everyone's friendships more healthy and, and asking about that? So I found that fascinating. Uh, friendship therapy. Yeah. I mean, you have to be really wanting <laughs> Com- that yeah, friendship. committed and invested. Yeah. You have to be committed to that friendship for you to want to go through that. Well, I thought it was I just a, it. a beautiful way. What? I know. Well, hopefully. Or maybe not. <laughs> maybe one person makes more than the other person. <laughs> Many questions here. But how yeah. would you play this? I mean, how has the pandemic changed your friendships? Let us know at LGT Shows where you can find us on social media. thought that was really fascinating. And check out that book, Big Friendship. Next up, straight people might be more queer than they realize, according to a new study. But wasn't that always the case? I Boring. don't know. No, it wasn't. That's next. Straight people stay out of queer business. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A new study shows that straight people might be more queer than they realize. This was the study that we all needed. I don't know. You know, I'm really trying to gatekeep <laughs> queerness because here's the thing. I'm so appreciative for our allies. It's great. We celebrate you. Channel Q, we're giving everyone a voice. Yep. But for so long, straight people tried to silence us. And oftentimes people lost their lives because of being queer. So my thing is this this idea, even though we know spec- like sexuality is a spectrum and all these things, it just feels like we're just finding a whole other way of making straight people, once again, not straight. And it's just like, let them be straight if they want to be straight. Well, the idea is the more that anything becomes more acceptable and more people are able to learn about something or be witness to it and have it around them, you could say that they they will, will tend to identify with it more, right? In the past, yeah. unfortunately, it was considered wrong. How many people felt like maybe they would connect with it but didn't have the ability to? But that's not... That, that for me, I guess, doesn't deem 
if they feel like they connected to it at some point, and that doesn't mean that you're not straight. Oh, or that, that doesn't you're mean straight. you're queer. That, or you're queer. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't we're, mean we're that you're queer. We're getting mishkebobbled Right, if you feel things. like you're connecting to something, like you can connect to a culture or, or, of, of some sorts, but I think what what makes you queer in this, I like, I guess, in this spectrum is, in my opinion, is depending on what you like, depending on that doesn't fall into the, the binary norms of what society has put you in. And that means physically. That also means romantically. That also means... Um, I I think it's it's very complicated. I think right now we're seeing straight people feel like oh it's it's a bad thing to be straight, and so they're trying to find another community to attach mm. themselves to. And I think that's the that's what we've seen as in and this is just a the thing where we talked about recently about the senses where folks did not want to check the box that they were white anymore. And I think there's something to that on who declares who they're white and who declares if they're straight or not because I think the world is changing so much where we're seeing so much fluidity mm-hmm. where straight folks are. Some people who feel like if they're progressive and they're liberal being like, I just don't, I feel like I straight feel like I means in something like a cishet, like white man. And we had this conversation. And I that's said, not just straight because, now feels like I'm this conservative, but that's not true. Anal person. That's yes, not of true course. at all. You're still straight. That doesn't mean that you can come into a community just because you feel like there's. Yeah, I, I just I just think I think you can be an ally. That's being an ally. But that doesn't mean that you are automatically de- unless you are. That doesn't just mean that you're automatically kind of like developing like, oh, I want to be with a woman or I want to like I want to romantically be with a woman or I want to explore what my sexuality means in that way. Because I think you do have that ability. You should be able to do that. But if you're if what I'm guessing to be clear about this. What I'm saying is if you are just a straight person who is like seeing all the backlash and and wanting to be progressive and you're just like, I don't know if I fit in this world anymore. And so I'm just going to go over to the queer jump bucket. That's just not what that that's not what that means, because if you're still going to exist in a cis heteronormative like lifestyle, then that just feels like you want your cake and you can eat it, too, because you're not going to be like your your livelihood's not going to be you can't be, you know discriminated against you're still living in a straight kind of world well it's understanding your privilege in that decision or what that actually means the nuances of it i think in the end the reality is we're tribal creatures right so when we see communities that we feel like it's like this this one is not where survival is this is one like that we're all about surviving and you could say but being straight doesn't mean that that's not there you don't have survival but if you think about it, this that's is actually so like really deep and really whack like this is a ted talk it sounds like white people saying like oh my god it's so bad to be white now I'm, it's it's I not think, bad no, to it's be not about, white. It's, it's just not bad to that. not be a terrible yeah, human being. But so just, it's not bad to be straight. But think about it. All right. So think about it. This is and weird. It is weird. Uh-huh. I, I do think there's like someone doing some research around this, or there will be a TED Talk dropped or something in a sometime okay. soon. But it's this idea that the more we uh, are exist around things, the more popular things become. And not to say that I'm not looking at the, the that it's right or wrong, just the idea of it, the concept yeah. of it, the more that becomes... Your mind's allowed to be opened and, up. And that becomes yeah. our survival mechanism. Right. Because if we're all here biologically just to survive and to procreate in a way, just this idea, right? right. We're trying to spread. We want to go into the place where there's more of an ability to thrive and survive. And if we feel like that bucket, that's possible, whereas this bucket, that's not happening anymore. Like, it feels like that's the bucket where things die. But So let me, I guess how I'm interpreting that explanation is like, 
it, it, it's one of those things where it's like everybody wants to feel oppressed until like the oppression starts to like totally. actually impact their world, right? Wait, yeah. And that, that's where oh. the tribalness for me. Oh yeah, it, there needs to be a clear line. Just because you see a, a, a community it's, that's thriving and kind of yeah. existing in their yeah, own world, yes, come in and support that community. But when the overall system is not that, that doesn't mean you go get a safe that, that that's your space, safe space to come in and like. <laughs> I didn't say it was right. Run Wait, away from so it. I would that's, think it's right. I, I mean, that's I was just, just saying like, that this wild. is an interesting concept that I actually think. I don't think that's interesting. I think it, that's actually really weird. It is. I mean, humans are strange. Psychologically, behaviorally, no, we I are don't think strange. that's okay. I don't actually, I, I'm actually the thing physically is, how, uncomfortable. How do that. you, what's the word you use? How do you not, um, when you take, take it and make it your own? Co-op. Co-op. Yeah. This is the thing. How, as we move into these new nuanced spaces where more people come in, one, it needs to obviously be authentic. Right. How do we not co-opt that and say, okay, if this is the new norm, which it is going to be, and there will be fluidity, uh, how do we make it? Or and and I think in the end, authenticity will happen because that's just going to be it. Put the, a pin there. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep this conversation. And going. I want to talk about this report because it was really interesting how they discovered. I don't this even as well. care a, about the report at this point. We're, but this it is was, a great but conversation. Part of it. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've been talking about the evolution of the queer spectrum yes. uh, because we were inspired by this study that talked about how straight people might be more queer than they realize. And we're about to get into it. We actually have the researcher behind it on the line. The science. Yes. <laughs> Instead of just us. But although I think we were making great points. By the no, way. and I, I want to even be clear because we were even talking about it in our break. Uh, and I think I, I have a more clear thought process of like what I was saying. I think what can be problematic is the is the moment where if we're having the conversation where we're seeing like cis het folks wanting to kind of come into queer spaces, I think what's important about that is the context and the timing yeah. around it, right? If we're in the middle of a time where everyone is kind of saying, you know, cis het people this, or it's all this negativity around either whiteness or uh, heterosexuality. I think the timing of that makes it feel disingenuous. Like we've seen reports of like generations coming after us being like, that's going to be the queerest generation as a, like as people we're going to evolve. Yeah. I think queerness is going to be the moment, right? Where we're all going to be a queer in some moments. But I'm thinking as of right now in this time that we're in, instead of combating the system that exists around cis heteronormativity and that can oppress marginalized communities, I think that is where I find it to be problematic if you just start hearing progressive liberal straight folks being like well I want to come over to the queer side totally. because I don't I feel like straight means something else and that yeah. is where that makes me uncomfortable it could be problematic problematic uh, and then also recognizing your privilege in that it reminds me of like yeah when you go to pride for the party not realizing the protest behind or the history behind it and, right. and that is the fear constantly as things become more adopted right and and part of the norm now I want to know the science yes. let's bring our guests so Dr. James Morandini is with us right now a postdoctoral researcher in the School of Psychology at the University of Sydney in Australia who uh, did this study that found out that straight people might be more queer than they realize. Welcome to the show. Hello there. Well, thanks for having me. I'm Shira. Yes, and Ryan's here too. <laughs> We're two people. You just completely <laughs> erased the queer person <laughs> in this conversation. So, all right. So how, uh, how did you f figure this out? Because I, I found it really interesting how you went about it. Yeah, so, look, we were aware that there was this increasing number of people who were identifying as mostly straight. So you both might be aware that the largest group of same-gender-attracted people are these mostly straight individuals, people who are 
mostly attracted to the other sex, but occasionally attracted to the same sex. And we're wondering, you know, what's leading to this phenomenon? There's been some really interesting polling coming out from the US showing that there's been a drop in the number of adults identifying as exclusively heterosexual between 2015 and 2018. And this was a drop of 10%. Mm. So it's a substantial proportion of the population shifting how they're reporting their sexuality. And this was even kind of more marked in the younger age groups. So when you're looking at people who are kind of young adults, uh, age 18 through to 25, we're talking almost half of that sample report being something other than exclusively heterosexual. And most of them are reporting being mostly heterosexual. So we thought, hmm, what's going on? On the one hand, obviously there's been so much progress made with the acceptance of queerness. So we thought that may have led more people who previously didn't feel comfortable to now come out of the closet and you know report their queerness. But we also thought that maybe new ways of understanding sexuality were leading some individuals to interpret same-gender feelings where previously they wouldn't have. And in particular, we thought that you know, continuous ideas of sexuality, so this idea that sexuality exists on a spectrum from exclusively straight to exclusively gay, um, which has been around since the Kinsey scale, right, in the 1950s, which, which has now really permeated the popular culture, may have opened up a space where people that even have occasional thoughts or feelings are now kind of leaning into their queerness where previously they maybe wouldn't have seen it as queer enough to legitimise feeling part of that community. Mm. Uh, we also thought that the notion of fluidity might play the same sort of a role. So people may have thought, even if I'm not saying gender attracted at the moment, I might be open to it in the future. I don't have any kind of thing against being queer. And so I might say I'm something other than exclusively straight to leave open the door just a little bit for that potential to develop in the future. But, so yeah. we thought, was, rather than just guess, let's do an experimental study. And that's what we did. Yeah, and I, I want to get think, into that study because you, you made them read articles about sexuality. And what did you find just by people getting more informed about these types of things? Yeah. So we did two studies, two separate experimental studies. The first was done at uni- on university students at the uh, University of Sydney. And in that study, we gave participants either uh, an article which purported to show that sexual orientation existed on a spectrum from exclusively gay to exclusively straight. Another article that said that sexual orientation existed in three discrete categories, such that you're either bi, gay or straight, and there were no other gradations in between. And then an article that basically they read about climate change. Now, we found that those in the group who read the article about sexual orientation being continuous subsequently wrote that their sexual orientation was more uh, non-exclusively heterosexual than those in the other groups. And we thought, this is a really interesting finding. Uh, So we want to follow this up in a subsequent study. So we did a larger experiment with about 500 participants, which were a community sample, and... In that study, we tried to replicate the initial finding, but we also included uh, an article which described sexuality as either being fluid, that is, that it can evolve and change over time, or being stable. That is, whatever you were at one point is what you're always going to be. 
And we found that both participants who read the continuous manipulation and those that read the fluid manipulation subsequently rated their sexuality as being kind of less exclusively heterosexual. They reported more uncertainty in what their sexual orientation actually was. And really interestingly, those who were in the continuous condition actually reported a greater intention to explore same-sex sexual behaviour in the future. So these were previously heterosexual people who really seemed to shift over the course of five to ten minutes how they conceived of their underlying sexual feelings. So I just want to be clear. So I guess when it comes to, I know it's, we're saying sexual orientation, but I feel like when it comes to identifying as like a, like a, your identity, whether it's like straight, gay, queer, wh- wherever you fall, it's it's way more than just like sexual feelings. There's a romantic yeah. aspect there, and and yes. and for me, yeah. I, I think when we're having this conversation, I always just wonder. And what we were talking about before, are we starting to see, you know the word queer being synonymous as progressive. Like, oh, if I'm late, if I want to be progressive, I have to be queer. And, and I, and I wonder what your thoughts are about that, because it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't have to identify as queer. If that's not what you feel like you identify as, like you don't have to be forced into thinking that way. If you don't feel that way, just to be labeled as progressive and on like, quote unquote, the right side of history. Right. Look, that's a really contentious issue there, and I hear what you're saying. Um, it might sound to many people that to say that they're straight sounds like they're in somewhat devaluing queerness, or to say that they're not open to it, and so it might not feel progressive enough for some. And so some people might actually be kind of expressing their political affinity when they're reporting their sexual identity now. So pe- people that in you know generations past would have just called themselves heterosexuals might now be using labels like pansexual or mm-hmm. might be using other labels which show some level of affinity or openness to same-sex experience. And, look, I was listening to what you were both talking about before I came oh. on, and I can hear that tension. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, you know, that um, on the one hand, I mean, you could argue that the more people who are leaning into queerness, the more support and uh, the more protection that we might have. On the other hand, you might say that, um, you know, there might be some something problematic about people who you feel are leaning into it more as an expression of their political orientation mm. rather than underlying romantic or sexual feelings. It's, yes. a, it's a complex discussion, hey? Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's, 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 let's my, do a panel together. I mean, honestly, this might be one of my favorite conversations that we have had on the show thus far. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us, seriously. Of course. And Thanks would, very much. Pleasure. Yes, this is great. That was Dr. James Morandini from the University of Sydney, Australia. Check out his uh, research and study. Um, it's in Mike.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Transgender recording artist Mila Jam is making the iconic tune, It's Raining Men, more inclusive. Here's a clip. It's raining them, hallelujah, it's raining them, amen, it's raining them, hallelujah, it's raining them. Yes, that is a bop. I mean, I love it. I think this is brilliant. No, I love Mila Jam. I actually had the honor of working with her and 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 getting to experience her dynamic with Angela Karras during our Project oh, yes. Fierce thing 
um, at uh, Channel Q. And it's so wonderful. Uh, Mila is an incredible artist. And yeah, I, this is just iconic. I mean, I would have never even thought about that. I know. And go stream the song because also 100% of the revenues are going to a nonprofit that helps the trans community. So it's also for a great cause. We love that. Yaz Queen to Mila Jam and whoever worked on with her on this amazing single. Yes, Queen. And that does it for Yes, Queen of the Day and our show today. But we are back tomorrow and we have a very special guest here on Let's Go There. David Archuleta is joining us. Of course, he recently came out. He's part of the family. And we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, all that and much more as well as his new music. Oh, yeah, and he doesn't like to be called sis, and I can't wait to ask him why. Of course. Of course you do. Seriously, I can't wait. That is tomorrow, live here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern Live. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Go check that out and subscribe. Go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.